Bible, Psalm 51. We're going to go there. I was talking, listen, last time I was here, I was single. Your boy got married. So, <laughs> got me a little shorty. She, she over here somewhere. But um, I was talking to my wife this week, and she was like, she's like, are you nervous? Like, you know, how, how are you feeling or anything like that? And I said, no, I'm not, I'm not nervous because I'm talking about the gospel. I'm talking about the Bible. I'm, I'm sure of these words. I'm sure of this truth. I, I know that God's word, when it goes forth, doesn't return back void. Oh, I, I'm confident. I, I'm happy. I feel good. And she was like, oh, that's really good. That's really good. And I said, I said, I looked at her. I said, I said, Shawty, but I got a second reason though. And she was like, she was like, what? And I said, listen, if I say something that makes somebody mad or offends them or something like that, ain't nobody got my email address. So you ain't sending me nothing. I'm good. (laughs) You ain't sending me nothing. I love you, but no, I'm good. So, uh, let's pray and let's get into the, I'm serious about that too. Listen, Heavenly Father, we thank you um, for this opportunity to gather. God, we, we, we know that this is something that we ought not take for granted. Uh, like the missionaries up here that, that go into the parts of the world where meeting is very difficult or meeting has so many challenges. God, I pray that this morning we, we realize that you're doing a work here in this house and that we get to play a part. So let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight and be edifying to your people. And all God's people said, Amen. y'all sound good. All right. So as I was, you know, studying and figuring out what I wanted to say, I came to this passage that I feel like a lot of people I've heard before. It's, it's a very famous passage, but um, I think there's some truths that we can pull from this passage that uh, ultimately will forever mark us, forever be a part of our lives. And so I want to start, you know, pastors, they, they like to, not Caleb though, Caleb's good, but pastors like to start off with that, that buzz thing that be like, oh my God, he said that? How he's going to explain that? I got one too. So um, <laughs> repentance by itself is meaningless. See, this is where the emails come in. I don't like the way you repentance by itself is absolutely meaningless. Faith by itself is meaningless. How can I say such things in front of you today? The reason why I can say such thing is because it's a common grace, even to the non-believer to be sorry. I wronged you. I'm sorry for what I did. It's a common grace for, for the unbeliever to have faith in himself to accomplish a task that they, they want to do, right? Anyone can have that. But when your repentance isn't an outflow from your relationship with God, when your faith is not rooted in your relationship in the work of Jesus, it's meaningless. It has to have roots. It has to have a foundation for it to matter. Because of Christ, we are able to repent, and our repentance means something. This is an overflow of the gospel showing us the reason why we must repent. Because a lot of times, we, like I just said, we realize, I did something wrong, 
But why, why is it wrong? Who, by what standard is it wrong? Who can tell me that it is wrong? Repentance isn't just a thing that you check off your list so you can feel good, but it's a daily posturing, a constant reminder, a frequent pulse in your life as a Christian that you should, you should be willing to run into and not run away from. Turn to your neighbor and say, he preaching good. Listen, I make myself laugh so much when I'm writing these jokes, but I really do. I really do. Imagine being my wife. She's just got to sit there and just be like, oh, Jesus. From the gospel outflows faith and repentance. And this morning, I wanted to, I wanted to get into this text to, to examine a case study, if you will, of how these two things played out in a man that we all should know. Everybody knows David. It, you don't know who Melchizedek is, but you know who David is. All right? Melchizedek's important too. Look up the genealogies and all that good stuff. He's in there somewhere. But I want to I examine this, this passage and in, in, in kind of make you remember, you're not David, right? You're not the main character of the story. David is, Jesus is, all that stuff. But we can follow in their example and we can learn in how we are ought to walk out our repentance with our faith in Jesus and, and the like. So Psalm 51 verse 1, it starts off with, be gracious to me. I'm reading from the CSB. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. It's very important. Y'all, when you read, when you read the book, when you read the text, don't just pass over words. Words are there for a a reason. Words matter. David starts off with be gracious to me. What right does David have to ask for grace? Demand. I mean, go to second Samuel. The book is the Bible is, it's messy. The man just had another man killed for his relations with, with Bathsheba. And he approaches God and said, be gracious to me. How can David say this? David can say this because his relationship with God is, is, is it's deeper. He, there, there is one. And the reason why he can say, be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, is because David's relationship with God is so tight because of the gospel is so tight that he knows the attributes of God. There's a reason why, like in our culture, when you go to college campuses or secular places, everybody's like, man, God is just the angry dude in the sky with lightning and, 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 and uh, what's the old phrase? Th- uh, fire and brimstone, all that kind of stuff. That's just who God, and he is. Don't play with the man. He is, right? But when your relationship is, is rooted in, in deep, you know the other things. You know God is a God of compassion. You know God is a God of mercy, right? David knows an attribute of God is his mercy, so he throws himself onto it. He says, be gracious to me. David doesn't start with the symptoms of the issue, and there are symptoms. He doesn't start there, though. But because his relationship is close to the Lord, he knows that God has mercy and grace. He's not a stranger to these things, right? But he he pleads and leads on these things first. Because if 
David asks for right justice to be served, he's dead on the spot, gone. Because of David's sin, the, the, um, the requirement is death, right? David knows the attributes of God. He doesn't ask for justice first because according to the law, David was guilty. And the, the, the cost of his sin was death. And sometimes we also got to remember, it's actually a really good thing that uh, God doesn't give you what you fully deserve immediately. Because there's, there's, I, I, I was reading and I was like, how do I, how do I convey this next part? But there was almost like a mercy before the mercy because he should have been dead in the moment. But God was like, let me, mm, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm gonna get to you, right? It's kind of parents, parents, right? It's that, oh man, I came home from, from work and the kids are going crazy and they, they broke something and it's like, oh, you, you gonna get some beat down ministry. I mean, I am going to anoint this belt and oil. I am going to strike with the power of the Holy Spirit in this, in this backhand. But before it gets to that, you say, go to your room, go to your room, right? Child protection services ain't getting me yet. Go to your room, please, please. Anyway, and then, and then you get to it and it's, it's beat down ministry because you love them. Right. But anyways, there's a mercy before the mercy. That's for free. That wasn't even in the notes. That was for free. So the next part is very important. Cause like I just said, he says next, according to your abundant compassion, David's language here is amazing. He's completely relying on God in this situation. Completely. There's no, uh, self-justification there's no uh you know him trying to god do it do it i can't look what me trying to accomplish uh or or satisfy look what that happened he says god do it he says according to your abundant compassion he is completely relying on god's mercy in the situation because in this case there's no there's no animal sacrifice there's no there's no cost he can pay to make himself right. There's nothing he can do but throw himself towards the mercy and grace of God. Nothing. When we realize the same thing that there is nothing you can do to save yourself except throw yourself onto the mercy and grace of God. I'm about to run down 278. <laughs> and I can't run. This next part. Is very important also. The verse goes on to say, blot out my rebellion. And like I said earlier, words are important. Blot out my rebellion. We have to understand this about sin in relation in um in relationship or in relation to repentance or faith. We have to understand this about the word sin. And I love the word rebellion in this translation. Sin is rebellion towards the nature and things of God. I really want you to understand that sin is a rebellious nature, a rebellious desire towards the attributes and nature of God. It's literally waking up and saying, you know what I'm gonna do today? I'm gonna choose violence. I'm gonna say to myself, I'm going to fight God and I like my chances, but uh, I'm gonna try to do it. Rebellion is saying to the Lord, 
when we decide to willingly, willingly throw ourselves into sin, rebellion is saying this path that you've established for me that I've been walking down. I, I think I'm going to turn around because I, I was walking and I got a little tired. I, I, I was walking and I thought maybe that path over there is a little bit faster. I was walking and I got distracted and it's rebelling. It's turning away from the things in nature of God to go your own way. He says, blot out my rebellion. That's incredible. Because David is asking God to address the most vile, evil, destructive, corruptive things that flow that has flown from man in all of human history. Because at the end of the day, I understand that this world is broken. I understand there's wars, there's conflict, there's 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 issues but when you remember that all these issues stem from sin it 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 makes it a little bit heavier when you're looking at it he says block it out so what does that tell us that david believed about god's compassion and abundance and mercy and grace and all that stuff david knew it worked David knew God could handle it. David knew there was not, oh man, he, I, I can't touch that. David understood that this is the most powerful, the most, the most sure, the most secure way to deal with this issue. Blot out my rebellion. I think sometimes we often treat uh, grace and mercy as like these like profound theological things that are meant to only be studied in seminaries or in um, the Bible study with the really, really old saints who, you know, they got the, they got the King James version of the Bible from King James. Like they, they know the good book. Oh, I was there. He was signing. Like, I think we, under, we, we <laughs> old saints, listen, I love you. That was not a jab. We, we would not be here without you. But I think oftentimes we, we, we relegate these topics to that, to those people that is something deep that, you know, they can study, they can fully understand. And it is, it is lofty. You'll never fully understand it. You'll never fully learn it. But it's also something that every day, in every way, you should earnestly pursue, seek, uh, beg for, cry out for, and realize that it's available to you if you, if you, if you go after it. It's, it's crazy lofty and all that kind of stuff, but it's also so simple and so sweet. Blot out my rebellion. Sin is a rebellious nature, a rebe- and, and it's a rebellion that is not grounded in any type of righteousness. It's not the same type of rebellion that we saw with... Uh, that we saw with slaves who would rebel against their masters because they wanted to be free. That's a, that's a righteous sense of, of the word rebellion that we could all get behind. But it's not grounded or rooted in any of that. It's a rebellious desire to look at the face of God and say, I think I could do it better than you. I think I understand it a little bit deeper than you. That's crazy. Sin doesn't lead to any type of human flourishing. It doesn't lead to any type of, of success, for lack of better terms. It's unholy. It's without remorse. It, it wants to destroy. It, don't care. it doesn't care who you are. It doesn't care how much money you invest, to it, how, invest into it, how much time you give to it, how many resources you apply to it. It ultimately wants to destroy you. It's fun, 
right? Because if sinning wasn't fun, people wouldn't be doing it. But it has, it has an ulterior, uh, motive. But David is asking God to wipe the sin away. Obviously, God doesn't forget. God's not like, yeah, okay. What you doing next week? Oh, you you going down to the the kingdom party garden or whatever? Like we just gonna chill? No, he's not asking him to forget about it so he could just move on. So he's not he doesn't feel bad. David is, is broken over this, but he's asking God to wipe this away, and he longs for a new heart. He longs for spiritual healing because he understands that sin has him gripped has him gripped by guilt and shame, and ultimately is leading him down to death. But it's beautiful because I started with the gospel. So y'all got to remember that Jesus secured a way out for us. If you don't start with the gospel and you just start with what I have to do, it's a, you're, it's a hamster wheel. You're just going to run and run and run and run and run and run and run. But if you understand what has been done for you, if you understand the access you've been given, it makes you it, no, listen for free. That's the connection. Verse three, it says, for I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. I am conscious. I I understand. I see. Listen, when dealing with sin, with repentance, own it. Own it, but don't let it own you. That's listen. That's if, if we would understand, if we would understand that I'm not saying life will be perfect, but it'd be a heck of a lot easier own your sin, but do not let it own you. I'm conscious of my rebellion. His heart was sensitive to what he did. Sometimes you got to know when you're, when you, when you're in sin, you're hurting people. There's people that you've hurt. You have to own that. You have to feel that it's not, I said, I was sorry. Get over it. Don't listen. I'm married. If I, if I looked at my wife and said, I'm sorry, I didn't do that. Get over it. Child. I'm not going to look at her. She's sitting in the front row. I'm not going to look at her. (laughs) Own your sin, but don't let it own you. David doesn't shy away from his messiness. He confesses to God. He says, God, look what I've done. Look what my selfish desires have gotten me into. Look how far I went. Look who I all involved. Your sin is never just you. There were servants he sent to go get her. There was the message he sent to put uh, Uriah in the front of the battle line so that he was killed. It's never just you. Own that, but don't let it own you. David doesn't take this moment to dumb down what he did or kind of self-justify himself. He says, look what I've done. RC, RC, um, I always say this wrong. It's sprawl or sprawl, like goat, goat preacher. I love RC, but I love this quote that he says, he says, perhaps the reason you feel guilty is because you are guilty. Listen, some of the most deep theological things be so simple. (laughs) Perhaps the reason you feel guilty is because you are guilty. But the answer to your guilt problem is not rationalization or self-justification, but it's forgiveness. The price of this forgiveness is repentance. Turn to your neighbor and say, repentance. 
Without it, there is no forgiveness and no relief from the reality of guilt. Ultimately, that's the reason why it hurts and that's the reason why you long to be made right. Because the reality of guilt and shame, it weighs. You feel it. It follows you. You can't run from it. You try to hide it. You try to turn your mind off, but it's there because you weren't wired to not feel that. You weren't wired to not understand that. Your relationship and access with God has shown you the reason why sin is bad. It's shown you the reason why you must turn away from this. The reason why you must seek God David says I see it I'm conscious the Lord is fully aware of David's plea and he sees it and he he's working with him and then I love the honesty of David in this in this passage I love the honesty where he's just, he's just saying what it is. And the example, like in kids' church, when I'm in there and I tell the kids, right? Listen, when you, when you break that cup, dad's favorite mug, when you, when you get the, the juice or what you might call them, the little uh, applesauce packet things, listen, I had one of those the other day, them things busting. I mean, they are good. But anyways, focus, come back. <laughs> But when you get one of those and you spill it and it's, and it's everywhere and mama and papa come up and they say, junior, did you do this? When you own up to it first, is, is the punishment not a little bit better? There might still be punishment. There might still be discipline, but is it not a little bit better than when you say it wasn't me? I ain't going to sing the song, but you know, the throwback song, it wasn't me. I don't know. You got, tell me how you got, like some of these parents have one child, right? The only one in the house with them. It wasn't me. <laughs> Listen, I'm a firm believer that little kids believe in the Holy Spirit all the time. Cause it must've been the spirit. It wasn't, I'm chilling. I'm watching Paw Patrol. Like, I don't know what you, I don't know what you want me to do, but, but is it not often better to own up to it? And then when the discipline comes, there are times where there's the parent shows grace and mercy and says, you know what? What you did was wrong, but I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you the right way. And then there are times where you do get the whooping, but it is for your benefit. Because 5, 10, 20 years down the line, you remember the lesson. So why is it that that age-old example that children know we as adults think doesn't apply to us. I said, you ain't going to email me and I meant it because I'm going to say some stuff. Why do we think it doesn't apply to us men? If we are the ones who are not seeking out the flourishing of our families through Christ, if we are the ones that are causing, um, for lack of better words, destruction in our relationships. Why do we think we don't have to own that and declare that, that I know what I'm doing is wrong. I need to repent. I need to confess and walk away. Women, if we, if we understand that we are the gossip or we are the this or the whatever it is, why do we think that doesn't apply to us? The consequences are still real. Are they not? I think the reason why we deflect or the reason why we forget is because we forget our relationship with God, with Jesus. We forget where, where our placement is. We forget the access that we have. 
we forget that, yes, although there may be times where you are disciplined, it's because God loves you. We forget. Verse 4. And this is, sometimes people say there's no comedy in the Bible. I like to think there is. Verse 4, David says, Against you alone I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass judgment and you are blameless when you judge. Here's the funny part. I I used to always say, when I first read this, I said, wait a second. Against you alone I have sinned. If If I'm Uriah... Right? And I hear, I hear Buddy talking like this. I'm feeling some type of way. You, only God? I was, you didn't, the situation, I'm feeling some type of way. But it's important to realize that David's not dumb. The, the spirit is not dumb. God is not dumb. But David, before he dealt with that horizontal effects of his sin, he realized, like I said earlier, sin is a rebellion towards God. Sin, I have to look at God and realize that because his attributes and his character is mercy, it's grace, it's love, sin is an affront to him. I must confess to him, firstly, how wrong it is what I've done. God dealt with David because David understood the, the effects of sin. And he goes on to say, you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. God is the perfect standard, right, of justice. We can, our, our definitions of right and wrong cannot be like rooted in what we think is right and wrong. You, you do understand that, right? There, there is such thing as absolute truth. There is such thing as God's way is better. So if, if God is the standard of justice, anytime he judges, it is right. Like I, I told you, some of the most deeply theological things be so simple. So he is right when he judges, and he is without fault when he judges when he judges. God is the perfect standard. Oh man, this is crazy because this next part is about to make you feel good because it's been it's been really tough this whole <laughs> this whole lesson. But verse six through seven, and then we're we're gonna get done here soon. It says Surely you desire integrity in the inner self and you teach me wisdom deep within. Verse seven says, purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will, and I will be whiter than snow. I think sometimes, and I know I'm guilty of this. Sometimes we, we don't realize that this is the problem. We try to deal with, well, if I, if I set this up, if I do that, if I go here, whatever, then it'll make it better. And those things might help for a while. But if your reasoning never changes, if you never get that clean heart, what does it matter? I started off the sermon with saying that repentance and faith are meaningless unless they're rooted in the gospel, in the work of Jesus Christ. So if, if your desire to change is only to, for change's sake, it won't sustain itself. It won't last he says, you, you, you want to deal with here. You want to go to work. You want to do business here. And he says, purify me with hyssop. I, I mean, I'd never heard of the word hyssop before, but hyssop was um, that, that, uh, that plant that they would use to, you know, during the Passover, dip it in the blood, pour it over, or wipe it over the post. David is saying, saturate me in it. Dunk me in it. I don't need, I don't need, a, I need, all of it. Throw me in, do work, and when you're done, take me out. 
Because I realize that I, I, I can't get a little bit. You do, it's never, I just want Jesus one time. It's every day, every minute, every hour. Purify me with hyssop. That's crazy good. Verse 9 and 10. It says, turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. It's important to realize the reason why David is using language like blot out my guilt, turn your face from this, is because David is wanting God to not, when he sees him, view him in light of his sin and deal with him in light of his sin. That's important. That's very important. And that's the reason that when you come to Christ and you are made new and you stand before the Lord, you've been justified by the work of Jesus. So Jesus is standing right there. And so when God looks at you now, he doesn't see the tattered robes. He doesn't see the the stained robes. He sees you white as snow because the blood purged you. And then it goes on to say, God... Create a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. I think it's important to to realize the posture of our hearts, the posture of our minds, and relationship with, with repentance is this. It's, it's opening up the dark places in your heart, in your mind, right? The, the thing that nobody knows that happened to you, that you did to somebody, whatever. And it's not like, whatever. It's, it's bringing that to the Lord and saying, take this. Because when I walk in this, it leads me down a path of sin. Take this away from me. I want to turn and go your way. It's saying, Lord, change my desires to yours. I need the new heart. Wash me because the blood still works. And it's important also to realize this. I believe repentance, confessing our sins to another, to God, acknowledging our rebellion, turning from our sins, it's fundamental to the Christian walk. Oftentimes you'll get the sermons where it's like, here's the 17 best steps to your life, the best life now. Here's the, here's the elevate your faith to elevate your, I can't run that fast, but whatever. But I honestly believe the messages that stick with you the longest, the messages that, that, that change your heart, that, that go down to the core of who you are, they're like these. Repent, believe, confess, trust in the word of God. That's what you remember. That you, I, and I, like, if those help people, great. I don't remember them. I remember that I was lost, now I'm found. I was unjust, now I've been made, I've been justified. I was, my faith was being planted in what I could accomplish in, in the next big thing. Now my faith has a sure foundation. And if you're hearing this and you're thinking to yourself, this is tough, it is. But there's hope. Like I said, I'll say it again. I started with the gospel. When you start there, everything else is possible. My hope is that we, we desperately remember that we ought to throw ourselves onto the mercy and grace of God. Because the gospel affects our faith, what we believe about God. 
right? So uh, in relation to what we believe about God, and then it affects our relationship to sin because now we, we are repentant of these issues, these whatever it is. With our faith in the finished work of Jesus, we daily throw ourselves into his arms. We daily repent of our sins to one another and to God to hold us accountable. This is the beauty of your relationship with Christ. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you for free. I'm going to tell you for free. In, in, your, in your walk with Jesus, if you're a believer today, I, I am one who loves the gifts. I think they're great, and I, and I pray earnestly for them for everyone. I am one who loves all the, all the fruit that comes down, right? The Bible says all good gifts come down from the Father of lights. I love all of it. The fact that I have this type of relationship with Christ, that's good. That's good for me. That I have this kind of access, that's good for me, right? That in and of itself is... You should be shouting, you should be backflipping, you should be doing all that kind of stuff because this is so beautiful. This is so good. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, uh, worship team, you guys can come out. Um, David asks in verse 12 in the, in, in, the, in the end of the chapter, David asks, Lord, restore the joy of my salvation. So in it, verse um, Verse 13, it says, I will teach the rebellious your ways and the sinners will return to you. We've been talking about you this whole time. But it also affects other people. When you are walking in the rebellion and you turn back from that and on your way, on your way turning back and you see others walking in rebellion and you grab them and you say, walk with me. Come to the goodness I've heard. Follow me to the goodness I've heard. It's not just for you. So that I can bring the rebellious, or I can teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. It's not just for our sake, but it's for the sake of all of all those watching us. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you. We thank you for your relationship with us. We thank you for what you secured for us on the cross through Jesus. And God, I pray that we remember repentance is daily part of our, our journey. It's a daily part of our walk. Because our faith is, is firmly planted in you, we should be earnest to repent of ways that are not of you. And so, Lord, I just thank you for any heart in the room any single heart in the room that your words have affected God I pray we we, we get over the, the shame and the guilt I don't want to be embarrassed I don't want people to see me you know praying uh, worshiping coming to the altar God we tired enough we grown That's, leave that leave that alone David, David threw himself onto the mercy and grace of God. It's good. Just do it. But Lord, I ask that you also give us the ability. Soften the blows. Soften the hearts, I'm sorry. So that way we can come to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.
if you'd stand to your feet, altar team, if you get in place. Don't you guys love the word of God? And I just much rather hear the Bible taught than the thoughts of man. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus or you're unsure of your relationship with God, we want you to know a few things. One, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not a person in this room who will stand before God and hear, you lived a perfect life coming to heaven. Every person that has ever lived has sinned and acted out in rebellion and every person that has ever lived will experience judgment or they will experience forgiveness mercy you have two options and your life is but a vapor you will stand before god quickly you will either receive what you deserve or receive what Christ Jesus deserves. And what Jesus deserves was perfect love, perfect reception into heaven. On his back, he bore the punishment for your sins. You are not being kept out of God's kingdom this morning. You can't say to me, Caleb, you don't know what I've done. I could probably guess. I could probably guess what you've done. It's not about what you've done or haven't done. It's all about what Jesus has done this morning. And he lived a perfect life and he died a substitutional death, meaning he died on your behalf. So this morning, you could have eternal, everlasting life. You could be sure that you belong to the Father of lights. You could be sure that heaven is your home. Don't leave here this morning running from God. Nothing's keeping you out this morning. Maybe your own rebellion and pride. Two, there were a few prophetic words that came forward this morning, words of knowledge, things we felt as we prayed. One was that someone's dealing with frequent night terrors. If you feel tormented at night, you're waking up in the middle of the night, we believe the Spirit is calling that out and would like to heal you today. Two, someone's dealing with chronic dry eyes or having vascular issues in the legs. We believe God wants to heal you today. There was another word that... Some of us have struggled with purposelessness. We feel like there's no purpose to our life. And the word was that essentially God works all things together for the good of those who love him are called according to your purposes, to his plans. That God wants to breathe new life and new purpose and new joy on your life this morning. If any of those things are you, I want to ask you to go ahead and come. I don't want you to be bashful this morning. I want to ask you to get in the altar and do business with God. Worship team, if you'd lead us. We believe the Spirit is here to bring salvation, to bring healing. Go ahead and come. Come on, if you need to repent this morning, if you need to put your heart on the altar, go ahead and come. If you need to rededicate your life to Jesus, if you need to just declare afresh, I'm yours, God. Come on, let's worship him like he's worthy of worship this morning. And what can wash away my sin? Come on. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's only by the cross that we're forgiven. No other name by which we're saved. 
without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes us white as snow. This morning as a church body as a family we just declare that our faith is in nothing but the blood of Jesus our hope is in the cross we love you sweet lamb of God we love you sweet lamb of God hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. Well, hey, this morning our altars are going to stay open. Our worship team is going to hang out. And so if you need ministry or you need to just keep praying, you don't have to rush out of here at all. But you are officially dismissed. We want you to know how much we love you. We're so thankful for you. We just ask you to be respectful of those who are receiving ministry this morning. We pray that your week is filled with the Spirit of God. Y'all go share the gospel with somebody. Amen. We love you.
Jesus, I can't walk.